You are listening to In the Vault with KPMG, a banking industry podcast series. Hi, everybody, and welcome to today's podcast. I'm Liz Lamadou, a principal in KPMG's Washington National Tax Practice, focusing on banking and capital markets. And with me today is my colleague, Robert Wayman. Robert is a principal in our state and local tax practice, and he supports our banking and capital markets clients. And today we're going to talk about indirect taxes. So, Robert, what does that mean? <laughs> Give us, tell us more specifically what uh, we're going to be discussing today. What types of taxes and how are they applicable to banking? Sure. Uh, thanks for uh, having me on the show, Liz. I'm excited to be here. And uh, in terms of indirect taxes, we're going to focus today uh, primarily on sales and use taxes. Um, and since this is targeted towards the banking industry, our primary focus is going to be on the purchase side. Uh, so the tax that is due um, when a bank uh, makes a purchase. Uh, so where is that tax due uh, and if it's due at all? Great. And I can think of a lot of purchasing, and I'll put that word in air quotes, um, going on right now as banks are automating and digitizing. Um, there's certainly a lot of IT spend right now, but I guess we also have some impacts in the last year, obviously, from COVID-19. So can, can you talk to us a little bit about both of, of those two phenomena happening and, and how that's impacting banks and indirect taxes? Sure. Yeah, definitely. So I, I think first the the change to digitization really um, has been going on, obviously, for quite a while. Uh, and COVID-19 has only been an accelerator uh, of that spend. And it, it's uh, the two of them have kind of COVID-19 and, and the drive to digitization have, have driven a couple changes. Um, the big one that impacts indirect taxes is the convergence of what used to be um, services and property that were uh, separate, separately charged. Uh, you would buy uh, a book, you know, and then you would also buy some sort of service. Uh, and now those are kind of combined together into one product. Um, if you think about like a, a online uh, research tool that you used to buy a bunch of books, now they're all provided online and it's a mix of uh, and accessing software, it's information, um, and that can be a difficult area um, to determine the sales tax implications um, in multiple states. Uh, the other thing that COVID-19 has done is it, it's kind of accelerated the move to remote work and work from anywhere, uh, and that complicates things for indirect taxes because a lot of taxes are determined based on where the user is located, and especially in financial institutions and banks that operate in multiple jurisdictions, it can be complicated to, to know where something that you've purchased is actually being used. And finally, just really directly COVID-19 related is the spend to, to change the work environment, uh, to make it COVID-19 um, ready, uh, says so people come back to work. So that's going to be protective gear and changes to office space, remodeling. Uh, all that spend uh, is the type of spend that actually can be complicated um, even outside of COVID-19. But then when you layer on COVID-19 specific exemptions, uh, there can be additional considerations that make it difficult uh, to get your indirect tax right. So if we 
focus specifically on banks for a second. I can see certainly the protective gear and changes to office space applicable to uh, banking headquarters offices, certainly to branch locations as well. Um, can you just talk a little bit more about the types of indirect tax spend um, sales and use taxes on purchases that you see banks predominantly struggling with or predominantly focused on? Sure. So, you know, one thing um, any bank that operates in, in multiple states is is typically going to have uh, a lot of, of locations uh, in multiple jurisdictions. Uh, that combines with uh, banks often purchasing quite a bit of software, uh, information services, and marketing materials uh, that are distributed to um, customers and potential customers at their locations and at their homes around the country. That creates a real difficulty uh, around getting taxability right across jurisdictions um, for, for various IT and marketing material related purchases. That's, that's an area that a lot of banks struggle and a lot of vendors uh, struggle to, to charge the right amount of tax. Another thing that we see in, um, in, in the banking industry, and this is common uh, across a lot of different companies, is a difficulty aligning the AP function um, where a lot of the information is gathered that is, helps a company drive the right sales tax decision isn't necessarily aligned with the sales tax function. And so the, the people entering the data that is going to be used to determine if tax is, is due and where um, aren't necessarily familiar with the tax rules. And so they may not capture the right information. There may be bad data. And so that can make it hard for companies to get the right result. Um, we're also seeing acquisitions are, are common in the or mergers in the banking industry, and when that happens, there are a lot of indirect tax issues around things like rebranding, um, you know, for ATMs and signage uh, for the new merged entity. Uh, there's a lot of taxability issues around that, and then a lot of difficulty integrating tax systems um, between the the two um, companies uh, can be a difficulty. And finally, what you see in the banking industry is kind of unintended consequences of laws that are passed to target other industries. Uh, so an example of that would be marketplace laws. Uh, marketplace laws require um, certain vendors to charge tax on items that are not actually their sale. They're not making a, a sale of property. They're just operating a website that allows somebody to, um, to make a sale. Um, but there can be unintended consequences. They're very broadly drafted. And so, for example, we've seen issues around rewards programs, um, depending on how those uh, how credit card points or, or other rewards programs operate. Um, financial institutions and banks can suddenly find themselves uh, potentially subject to a marketplace law that, that wasn't really intended to target them. That makes sense. And and I think over overlaying everything you just said about this issue specific to banks, um, I think we see spend increasing exponentially on digitization, on um, software and technology, IT, and those are exactly the types of purchases it sounds like the banks um, can struggle with, for lack of a better word, in, in allocating and getting right they're really the toughest area to get sales tax right because the usage can be in so many different locations. The laws vary so much from state to state. 
uh, and it's such a heavy area of spend for banks, which tend to be multi-state institutions, uh, you're absolutely right. It's it's a real uh, area of difficulty. And it seems, um, you know, in this era where cost-cutting is king, making sure that banks get the spend right on their, the use tax or sales tax on their purchases. So, Robert, what what are some recommendations or suggestions you would offer something tangible banks can do in addressing these challenges? It's a great question. There's a, there's a couple of things, uh, and getting to your point about um, you know, minimize, you know, doing more with less and, and minimizing costs, um, there are, uh, we're seeing a lot of companies uh, focus on uh, automation uh, in their indirect tax department uh, to drive better results more efficiently. So then there's a couple ways that can be done. Um, one is leveraging data that exists outside of tax to drive better tax decisions. Uh, there are opportunities to do that with allocations of IT spend, marketing material spend, and any other um, multi-state spend. Um, another is uh, leveraging uh, automation and workflows to um, take off the plate of tax teams, kind of repetitive manual tasks so that they can focus on kind of higher value work uh, that drives, you know, cash savings uh, rather than just kind of doing compliance or or manual tasks that that aren't adding value to the organization. Uh, We're seeing a lot of of companies invest in automating tax determination processes, either through uh, their own uh, tax engines uh, or actually outsourcing the tax engine function to um, to a provider that maintains that tax engine for them and takes that off their team's plate. Uh, and then finally, uh, this is, I think, really the most exciting thing that we're going to see in the indirect tax space is a real change um, to a real change where to the allow companies to use machine learning uh, and visualization tools to actually identify tax errors before they ever happen. A lot of companies get stuck in a kind of reverse audit cycle where they overpay tax or they underpay tax. They have to deal with it on audit and claim refunds. Uh, You're going to be able to leverage technology, and the tools are really here now uh, to start identifying, automating the identification of errors before you pay the tax, uh, which is going to drive a lot of savings for companies. And that makes sense to get it right the first time. And, and I agree. I think, I think we've seen the, the practice over time of, of figuring it out on, in audit or on a refund claim, you know, like kind of paying and then trying to get it back later. It would certainly be much more efficient not to pay it in the first place. So how about some of these suggestions and putting them to use? How do they generate savings for banks? So it's a great question. So one, you know, obviously is if you can identify issues, you can claim refunds. And that's really been the historic issue. You, you go in, you look for overpayments, and then, you know, historically go back to a state and ask for money back. Um, but I think what is, is exciting about kind of the future of indirect tax is stopping that cycle uh, and instead um, kind of finding ways to, to cut off the spend uh, going forward. Uh, so any time that you have a transaction where historically you would have paid you know, 6% or 8% tax uh, on a software purchase, 
if you can leverage uh, machine learning and automation to find that transaction before you pay the tax, uh, you're saving on any particular transaction 6 or 8%. Um, you can then combine that now with visualization tools to really capture your ROI. Uh, I think historically in the income tax side, it was pretty easy to say, okay, I've, I've made an apportionment adjustment. And, you know, here's the savings I get every year because you can compare your old apportionment method to the new one. Indirect tax is kind of a death by a, a, a thousand cuts. It would be every – you have to gather all the information on all the various purchases where you drove savings uh, in order to actually capture your value. You can now do that with automation tools and visualization tools. You can say, you know, I identified this change and that change uh, now over the past year has caused you know hundred thousand or five hundred thousand dollars worth of savings um, in a way that you you couldn't historically. So you can can drive kind of go forward cash savings uh, and also be able to to show that to the organization the the value that's been been generated. The other thing that it does that does is then it creates a virtuous cycle. Uh, instead of spending time on going back and claiming refunds, if you can identify and fix the problem up front, your team can then focus on higher value work, the you know going through contracts and looking for opportunities to to revise them in a way that is tax sensitized uh, and saves tax planning opportunities, things that can really drive permanent benefit. Uh, your team will have time to do that. Uh, in a way that they oftentimes indirect teams in the past haven't uh, had time to to focus on on um, kind of higher value structuring uh, and contract reviews. I love that idea. Definitely um, get the teams focused on the higher value work, uh, track the ROI, and take advantage of all of the automation that's happening across banks and finance departments to begin with. So. Those are some great ideas, Robert. So thank you. Thanks for for sharing those issues with us and giving us some practical recommendations. I really appreciate your time today. And that is going to wrap it up for today's podcast. Thanks, everyone, for listening. This is Liz Lamadou on behalf of KPMG Banking and Capital Markets Tax Practice. Just want to say thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next time. You've been listening to In the Vault. For more episodes, visit listen.kpmg.us backslash in the vault.